0: really is a blessing to be here this morning and uh, have a chance to worship with you and put up with some of our weird instruments. Um, anybody know what this one is over here? A hammered dulcimer. There you go. Very good. That's right. Um, so, uh, and this, this drum uh, was given to me by a friend of mine from the Yakima Nation in the Washington State. I told him I was going to try to use it. So it's made of elk. And uh, he's one of the tribal leaders of the Yakima people. Um, so it's fun to incorporate some of the, the drumming from the tribal people of the Yakima Nation in the state of Washington. Um, but, you know, it's cool because the unifying factor for all of us is Jesus. And Jesus um, isn't necessarily a uh, Middle American white, right? And uh, so one of the things that has been a blessing for me is I've, grown is to be able to see how God blows our expectations of what it means to follow Him, you know, and to worship Him. and um, So even in that, our journeys, our stories that of our lives are all different. Um, but it is an honor to be here this morning and, and share, share music and worship and, and some of my story with you. Um, so uh, uh, Amber asked me to share a few thoughts this morning which is scary, that she would assume I have anything good to say at all. Uh, no, but I, I um, really do uh, appreciate being here this morning, and it's an honor to share with the band. And thank you again to Steve and Jason for your help. Um, and this morning, I, I thought what I'd like to do is, is talk about what is your story and share with you a little bit about my journey and my story and, and some of the things that I've learned. And, and together, we could hopefully... Um, Hear from the Lord, and my desire is that 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 Jesus would speak, and not necessarily me, and I have a great ability to just say stuff without thinking i don 't know if anybody else is like that, so my hope is that that God could come in and be like Urgh. so if I do this that 's because i 'm trying to let God do his thing and get out of the way right um, no, so what I 'd like to do is just begin with a prayer um, from Ephesians three, and one of the prayers that I have for our youth at our church and for my own boys, uh, is from Ephesians 3. And and it's one of the, for me, the the coolest prayers. Um, And so I just wanted to pray that over you and and us as as we gather this morning. And it talks about God's love, and, and it's my prayer for us. So would you join me in prayer together? Jesus, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray this scripture this morning, that, Lord, we kneel before you And I pray that out of your glorious riches that you may strengthen each person here today with power through your spirit in their inner being so that, Christ, you may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that each person here today would be rooted and established in love and that we would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is your love, O Christ, and to know your love Though it's too vast to understand, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So Lord, would you speak, would you lead, would you teach, would you have your way? Jesus, come, be the Lord of this time. We want to hear from you, and each person is here, not by accident. So would you have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we talk about this vastness of God's love, right, how great and high and mighty and wonderful um, I wanted to just share a little bit about, about my story. Um, and, you know, the question that I have for you today is, what is your story? You know, I know that we're here as, as guests, but um, we all are on a journey of faith, right? We're all walking this journey. And I believe that God speaks to us through his word and through one another through stories. And um, the, the Old Testament is full of stories and the Bible is full of stories that really communicate God's truth. And um, even as I talk about the the Yakima brother of mine who gave me the drum, the Yakima people, my son and I were just there last week, and they communicate their history through spoken stories. Um, Not much is written down at all. Um, So the truth is this, that God is the author, right? He is writing a story. And in Hebrews 12, it says that God, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, And that each one of you, each one of us is on a journey. And God is the one who is writing the story of our lives. Um, And it also says that God is the shepherd of our souls. And to me what that means is the shepherd who leads and guides and sometimes has to whack the sheep to get them in line, right? Because they seem to be uh, clueless. And some of us are more clueless than others. Pointing this direction. But the Lord is our shepherd. And then the third thing that I that I really think about in terms of our stories, that the Lord is the potter. And Isaiah 64 says, Yet, O Lord, you are the potter, and we are the clay. You are the Father, and he is molding us and shaping us. And so, this idea of um, what is a story? What is your story? Uh, well, I wanted to start with this. So, interactive time, okay? So, What I need you to do is find a partner, real quick. It can be somebody next to you. That would be the easiest. And you have 30 seconds. You have to tell them, What is the most, one of the most powerful books or movies that you've seen or read in your life? Okay, 30 seconds, go. Find a partner. Most powerful song or story. I said movie because some people don't read, right, like me. Okay, good, you got it? Okay, so um, now, same partner, you have 30 more seconds. What is the worst Disney villain that you think of and why? Go. Worst Disney villain and why? Uh, okay time's up all right so somebody tell me somebody call out what's worst villain gaston cruella Deville, she's freaky whoever shot, bambi. whoever shot bambi yes thank you there are children present thank you that's our bass player okay uh yes all right uh most powerful movie or book that you read anybody call it out the shack okay what room maker Roommate, okay. I haven't seen it. Remember the Titans, there you go, okay, good. <coughs> Corey, Tuesdays with Maury, that's a good one. You can tell somebody just graduated from sophomore English class. <laughs> the Great Gatsby, Scarlet Letter, all those big ones, Of Mice and Men, all right? Okay, so what makes a great story, Right? The greatest stories are the ones that have the darkest villains, the most deep pain, right? The ones that have the biggest obstacles to overcome, the one that takes us to the brink of disaster. And then here comes the shining armor, right? The shining knight in armor. Or here comes Belle to save the beast from Gaston and his evil weapons or whatever. You know what I mean? Like... Um, the the greatest stories that we, we resonate with are the ones that take us to the brink of disaster and then the hero steps in and saves the day, right? Right? And that's when all everybody's all the everybody's crying and then, you know, and I'm an eternal movie crier, right? The boys might they laugh at me because we'll be we'll be watching commercials and all like it'll be a dad holding a baby and I'll go, ooh. I'm like, Really, Dad? It's like a Dylan's commercial and you're crying for So but, but th- there's something significant about a story that grabs us when it has a dark, sinister plot, and then there's this hero that comes in and saves the day, right? And, and so as we think about our own journey of life, my life, my story has had its own ups and downs. And your journey, I'm sure, has, ups, has had ups and downs. And what's interesting is when we go to see a movie or a book, we love it. When there's this horrible injustice or this pain that's not fair or this disease that we, that the, the main character overcomes, right? We love watching that. But then when it happens to us, we go, wait a second, that's not fair, right? It's supposed to be in the movies but not happen to me. And I have found in my own life that it is the deepest pain that has brought me to the brink of disaster that has then turned me to my Savior, and I have found the victory of Christ. And it is our story of the darkest night that allows the greatest light to shine. The light of Jesus, right? And none of us are immune. So I wanted to share with you a little bit about my journey. Um, and just last night, and this is, might scare you, but not only do I say things sometimes without thinking, but especially when I'm tired, and one of my good friends rode last night in the Dirty Kansas, uh, dirt. It's like the world premier dirt gravel race. Have you guys heard of that before? So it's insane, but they do like 200 miles on gravel through the Flint Hills. And so yesterday afternoon, I was at my son's soccer tournament and I got a call and, uh, from his wife and she said, man, he is really struggling. And I was like, man, I'm going to go up there. So I drove up last night and and I uh, was there to, to, to cheer him on when he came across the finish line. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And it was, so, it was awesome because here these riders come in. They've been riding for like 20 hours straight. And they're covered in mud and they're bleeding because they fell down and, and they can't see and they're cramped up. And, and like 2,700 riders begin this race and, and less than 600 finished it. It's, it's just grueling. It's gravel and, and you have 50 miles between stops and you're out there, there's nothing, no, you know, nothing to help you. So at the finish line, it was so cool because last night I went and here it is one o'clock in the morning, right? Usually uh, Emporia, Kansas is like ghost town at one in the morning, except the cops like, why are you out? What drugs are you doing? Get back to bed, right? And so here we are, there's a, over a thousand people and they have these uh, this streets lined and as each rider comes in, People have cowbells and shakers and signs, and they're screaming, and the announcer is going, here is Joe Schmo, not hodgepodge, from, uh, you know, from Bakersfield, California, or from, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada, from all over the world. There's a guy from France. As they come in, everybody is cheering them on, and they're crying, and, and it's this glorious ending, right? So what makes it such an important thing that people would be out of bed at 1 o'clock in the morning banging cowbells? It's because they did 200 miles of gruesome, grueling gravel driving. And that's what warrants this celebration. And I have fallen under the mistake of thinking that my life will be so much better if I can have the paved roads and get to heaven without any scars. But the Lord says, no. No. I came to give you a glorious ending. And the most glorious ending will happen when you walk through the darkest hour and when you take the gravel path that beats you up, the path of love, the path of following me. And so last night, was really, it really struck me that um, people, they should have been in bed, but they were celebrating um, because the end of the story, right? These people that made it. So here's a thought that I have for you. that In your journey of faith, I love this quote, and actually my mom said this to me when I was going through a hard time a number of years back, and it was this. In the end, it will be okay. In the end, it will be okay. Christ came to conquer death so that we can hold on to the promise that in the end, it will be okay. If it's not okay, then I can tell you it's not the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Too many of us give up. Too many young people take their lives in suicide because they give up. Too many of us turn to other things drugs, drinking, uh, finding a different partner, right? Pornography. We turn to what pacifies us because we have a hard time holding on in the midst of the darkest hour. And the Lord says, No, hold on, because if it's not okay, then it's not over. The Lord wants us to hold fast because He says, I'm the anchor. And I will carry you. So with that, I want to share a little bit about my story. Because the hard thing is, as God's writing the story, we want to grab the pen and say, um, I think I'd like to have this and win this lottery and get this car and get this job and get this, right? And God says, "Uh uh-uh, you don't get to choose. Right? The Lord is the author. And what he asks of us is to trust him. So my journey in my life has taken me lots of different places I was born in Kansas, which is crazy, but I only lived here for six months. And then we went to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and then we went to Cincinnati, Ohio, and then I went to Green uh, Castle, Indiana, and then Nashville, Tennessee, and then Window Rock, Arizona. Um, My journey has been windy and twisty, which probably most of you have some changes that have happened in your life, right? I mean, life tends to do that to us. Um, But one of the things in my life that I wanted to highlight was that out of college, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I got, my, I got accepted to University of Cincinnati Medical School. I know I don't look smart, but um, that's okay. Uh, hodgepodge looks smarter than I am, which is good. <laughs> I'm just going to keep bringing that back up, man. It's, it's funny to me, even though it might not be funny to me. Um, anyway, so out of college, I, I was traveling before I started medical school. And while I was traveling... I met at a gas station in Gallup, New Mexico, a man named Rich Mullins. And he's a Christian singer um, who some of you might have heard of. Um, And this is a picture of Rich and I back in 1997. I'm the one that has hair at the time and not the guitar. But we're singing. And Rich asked me if I would tour with his band. And he didn't know it, but I grew up playing cello classically. And uh, so... To my father's chagrin, I gave up medical school, and I toured with Rich Mullins. Well, ironically then, I toured with him for the year, and I had deferred my enrollment into medical school. And the day that I would have started medical school was the day after, or no, the day before Rich Mullins. If you know this, he was killed in a car accident. So we were on our way to Wichita in 1997. And I was driving in front in the equipment truck, and Rich was behind in the Jeep. And we were driving with the band, and we lost sight of each other. And we drove all night from Elgin, Illinois, to here. When we got here, me and the the drummer, the manager of the band said, hey, you got to come in, told us uh, there's been an accident. Uh, Mitch, who was in the band, he's in a coma, and Rich has been killed. And it flipped my world upside down. And it was an unexpected tragedy that I wasn't ready for. I had given up all those years of studying and i had given up my spot in medical school. And once it's gone, you can't just say, uh, can I renege on that and have that back, please? You know, like you can't do that. They, they give that to other students. Uh, so I had lost this spot in medical school. I had lost my soul income. I had lost my passion because it was music. And I remember, um, feeling that the, just the feeling lost and, what happened when I was feeling this way is I was in Nashville and I went to a a church that was an empty, abandoned church and I went inside and there was nobody around and I laid on the floor and I was like, man, God, I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Everything that I was living for is gone and I don't, I have no, I don't know what I'm going to do, what I want to do. I feel so empty and I feel dead. I feel dead. And I don't know if any of you have ever been at that point in your life, but, but for me, that was the first time when I had faced a real tragedy. My friend, my mentor, my boss had been killed and left me with virtually nothing. And the thought that I had as I was laying there on the floor saying, Lord, I feel dead. I don't know, I don't know anything. I don't even know what I want. I felt very, very profoundly like the Lord said to me, good. Now you're where I want you. I want you to stay dead. And it didn't make sense, but it did make sense. Because I felt like the Lord said, I want you to stay dead. Dead to your need to know. Dead to your control over your life. Dead to feeling like you have to figure it out. And I want you to stay in the place of saying, okay, Lord, I got nothing. So whatever happens, I want to be of you. And it was a profound moment of my, in my life of, of discovering there's a freedom of being in the place of saying, okay, Lord, I will give you my life, right? Knowing that as I stay dead to myself, that God is able to bring the things into our lives, right? Jesus is the one who can bring life from death. He can bring beauty from ashes. And he has done that in my life. And one of the verses I want to share with you that, that speaks of that is Galatians 2.20. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And one of the greatest joys I found in my life is knowing that if we surrender and say, Lord, I don't understand, but you are big enough to bring into my life The desires the passions the open doors that you want me to walk through if we let him lead He's able to do more than we could ever imagine And uh, so that idea of knowing that it is it is in dying to ourselves that we find hope and life Another example of that is from luke chapter 9 And it says this then he which is jesus said to them all whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's really interesting how Jesus flips the whole definition of control and the whole definition of 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 purpose and of life. But he says if you want to have a purpose or you want to have life, then you've got to lose your life. And we live in a world that, that doesn't make sense, right? We're supposed to have plans and goals. And I'm not saying to not necessarily have plans. But what I am saying is that we, we have to continually fight the the urge to grab the pen and say, Lord, this is what my story is going to be. I'm going to do this. God wants us to daily say, okay, Lord, here you go. You can have the pen. You write the story. Would you write the story? Because you know better than I do. Now, if we surrender to God, once I did that uh, – True or false? Audience participation. Once I surrendered to God and said, okay, Lord, I'm dead to myself. I will live for you. You have the pen. Write the story. From that moment on, Lord said, thank you, and my life was free of pain. Every decision I made and everything that happened was what God wanted, and so therefore it was all beautifully paved roads and smooth and happy and nice. True or false?
1: False. Oh, good. Awesome.
0: Yeah, man. It sucks. It sucks. I'm serious, right? I mean, we say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life, whatever you want. And then we think, okay, cool. This is going to be hopeful, right? Like, this is good. And then it's like, bam, one bad thing after another, after another. And, and why isn't it that God says, okay, thank you for following me. Here's the golden pathway, the yellow brick road, right? He doesn't do that, even though we, he wants us to surrender to him. Um, is that slide up there that says, like, give him everything? Yeah, okay. So this is what has, for me, been kind of my mantra on a daily basis. But give him everything. Saying daily, Lord, I give you everything. I surrender to you. Trust him. And then daily give the creator your life. And walk one step at a time. And I had this picture of walking one day at a time with Jesus and letting him guide the pathway. And it's, we, I said earlier that Jesus is our shepherd. Now, shepherds lead the sheep, and sometimes the sheep don't like it, right? But the shepherd always knows what's best. And here's another thought. The next slide is this. We don't get to choose our pain. Wouldn't it be great if we could, like, God would line up on the mantle of the fireplace in our living room all the options for pain? So you can choose one, you know. You can choose your disease or choose the relationship that falls apart or choose, you know, this financial disaster or whatever, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Maybe I don't know, but we don't get to choose right. It's not a pick and choose like hey, I want that and that and that We have to simply walk as the lord leads um, how many of you heard of the story of job? Okay, job If you haven't heard, uh, it looks like job but It's really job. I guess we can call him job Hodgepodge job you No, know, it's not funny. Okay <clears throat> So job was a man that tried to follow god. He tried to live what was right and the story of Job is that in one day, Job, who had ten kids and had uh, abundant cattle and, and fields and houses, in one day, disaster hit his life. And he, all ten of his children died in a, in a house fire or a disaster, something like that. And all of his fields were, were destroyed. And he lost all of his livestock. So in one day, the dude got hammered. Thor came and went wham, Right? It's like the Avengers. Anybody seen it when Thor comes in and right? Why does he come in with a hammer and knock away all those orc-looking dudes, and then he hits them one at a time? After that, does anybody have that question? We see in the movie. Okay, it has nothing to do with the sermon. Okay. Anyway, so um, where was I? Oh, Job. Yes. So Job gets hammered, and and he loses everything. And what is one of the most powerful things for me is Job's response to God. It says this, and here's a scripture. It's from Job 1, 20 to 21. It says, at this, meaning once Job heard this news about his family losing everything, at this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. So he's grieving, and it says, then he fell to the ground in worship. He fell to the ground in what? Worship. Which means he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And Job received the news of utter disaster and his first response was, okay, Lord, no matter what, I will praise you. No matter what, I will praise you. We don't do that very often. I don't do that. When disaster hits, man, I boohoo and cry and, and, and it's so hard, but Job sets the example for dealing with the unknown tragedies that might come our way. When uh, After Kean was born in 2002, uh, my wife got pregnant, and in 2003, uh, Kean's little brother, we went to the hospital for him to be delivered, and as we were in the delivery room, lost the heartbeat. And we were not able to... They weren't able to save our son, and so uh, my, our son was born, uh, stillborn, fully developed, looked just like his big brother, and he would have been 14 this coming October. And we had prayed through the pregnancy for health for the baby, and there was a fluke thing with the umbilical cord that it, like had a a little tiny place where it got kinked, and nobody would have ever known that. And there's no way for them to stop it, and. We had to deliver, my wife had to deliver this stillborn child. Utter grief. Here we are holding this lifeless child. And it did not make sense. It didn't feel right. How can this be your plan? How can this be right? How can this be? I mean, it was so painful. And I, I, my journey is not your journey. But the reason I highlight these two examples is that we don't know. And we don't get to choose our pain. But what we get to do is understand that God gives us a greater gift, which is the gift of saying, Lord, come what may, I am yours, and I will praise you. Come what may, I will praise you. And out of the depths of our brokenness, out of the grieving, out of the pain, when we are able to, in the midst of the pain, turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I will trust you. I will praise you no matter what, then Jesus is able to bring life to us and to others. And in my life, that has been the truth. Now, there are other examples in my life of things that have been wonderful. God has provided in amazing ways. And there have been things that have been utterly devastating. Um, and I'm not going to go into all those today because I want this to be about the truth of God and who he is. And so um, I want to jump ahead a little bit um, to the story of the, the beggar. And this is in John 9. And uh, there's a story in Scripture of the man who was born blind. And as he's, this guy, he's born blind, he can't see. Okay, how fair is that? Did he have a choice? No. Did his parents have a choice? No. The dude was born blind. And the people come to Jesus and they say, Hey, Jesus, why was this dude born blind? Because they thought... uh, Let me let me read it instead of paraphrasing As jesus walked along he saw a man who had been blind from birth Rabbi his disciples asked why was this man born blind was it because of his own sins or his parents sins It was not because of his sins or his parents sins Jesus answered this happened so the power of god could be seen in him So why was the man born blind? so that the power of God could be seen. That doesn't seem fair. I mean, the dude had to live all of his life not being able to see, so that one day Jesus would walk by and go, hey, you're healed, and other people would go, wow, you truly are the son of God. That means that dude had to live his whole life blind so that people could see the glory of God. Does that seem fair? No? Uh Uh-uh. But my dad always used to say, life is not... Right, But the truth is, is that God knows what we need. And that man who was born blind, he could have focused on the resentment of why me? Why me, God? Why was I blind from birth? Why couldn't it have been my neighbor or somebody else? But what the scripture tells us is after this, when he received his sight, Jesus said, now go. And the man went on his way rejoicing. And so we get the gift of choosing how we respond to the blindness or the brokenness in our life. We can say, that's not fair, and blame God. Or we can say, God, I know that you somehow can work this out. And in the end, in the end, it will be okay. But right now, in the middle of the journey, it's wrought with confusion and doubt and emotions. And it is so hard to stick with it to the end. And I can tell you, I'm in the middle of my own journey. Just the other day, I woke up, and and uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I woke up, and and I had this feeling like, oh, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Like, this emotional, like, man, I, I have so much to do, and I can't get it all done, and I don't know how to be a dad, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do when I go to Hope Covenant Church. All these people are going to be looking at me. What do I say? And then I, you know, like, there's moments when I, there's days when I woke up, and I and it just was about three days ago, and I, all I could think was, Lord, I, Man, just help me, help me, help me, help me. And um, so emotions in my own life, they come and go. They come, they come and go. But the hope is that we could remember that God says, in the end, it will all be okay. Isn't that good news? Right? And so I wanted to sing a song um, before uh, we're done. But um, it is, this song is called The Cry. And one of the, the greatest gifts that we have is that in the midst of the journey, God doesn't say to us, shame on you for being sad or shame on you for doubting or shame on you for being uh, angry. The Lord wants us to come to him in the middle of our journey as he's writing the story and say to him, Lord, I hate this, or Lord, I don't understand this, or Lord, this is really sad, or whatever. As we come to the Lord, he says that he hears our cry. And anybody remember know the story about Jesus on the boat? And, and it's like the storm, right? The disciples are freaking out on the boat. And what's Jesus doing? Sleeping, right? I love it. Because he's not phased by the horrible circumstances in their lives. They were surrounded by certain death. We're going to die. And Jesus is sacked out because he knew the circumstances aren't what's important. So what woke Jesus up then? What woke him up? When they cried out to him. Is that what you said, somebody? Yeah. So... When the, when the people that Jesus loved cried out, that's what stirred his heart and woke him up. And so I can tell you in my journey, when I have cried out to God in the midst of my journey of pain or the storm of life, that that's when I have found that the Lord hears and I know he hears my cry. And someday it will be okay. So I wanted to sing this song and the band's going to come join me. Um, it's called The Cry. And it speaks of the hope that we have that he hears us um, and gives us hope in our journey. Thank you guys for listening. It's, uh, it's a blessing to be here.
1: It wasn't the raging wind that stirred his sleeping. It wasn't the sea that woke him with waves crashing. It wasn't the angry sky that shook him with thundering. It wasn't for fear or the threat of losing life that he called the storm to see. It was the cry, it was the cry, it was the cry of the ones he called his own. It was the sound of their weeping that pierced deep his soul. It was the cry. It wasn't the fame of a martyr's death that kept him on the cross. It wasn't a lack of eternal strength that made him suffer loss. It wasn't for peace of mind. He said, thy will be done, or for a lack of wisdom or a guilty past. And he was silent. When accused It was the cry It was the cry It was the cry of the ones Called his own It was the sound of their weeping That pierced deep his soul It was the cry It wasn't the majestic sound of angels that made him stop and listen. Or the screaming hordes of demons that changed his direction. Or noisy companions that sparked a second glance. It was the lonely cry of the beggar man halted my Savior's steps, and He hears the cry. He hears the cry. He hears the cry of the ones who calls His own. He hears the sound of our weeping and will one day bring us home. He hears our cry. He hears the cry Oh, He hears the cry Of the ones He's made His own He hears the sound of our weeping And will one day make us whole He hears our cry He hears the cry
0: Amen. You guys all stood up. <laughs> uh, I'm not t- done. Do you want to stand up for the rest of the message? or I mean, you can. Do you guys always stand up when there's music? Okay. So if you have a seat. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm testing you. I'm, <laughs> he didn't stand up. He didn't stand up. Okay, so um, just in closing, right, the Lord hears us when we cry. And he says, if you cry to me, I will hear you. I will hear you. I hear you. Man, how many times with your spouse you're like, you just don't listen. You didn't hear what I said. How many times does that word get thrown out, right? Okay. It's hard to feel like we are completely understood. It's hard to feel like we're not alone. It's hard to feel like somebody, even the closest person to us, fully understands us. It's easy to give in to the feeling that we are alone or that nobody understands me. But the greatest gift that we have is that the Lord says, I hear you. I hear your cry. I know your pain. I know your journey. I know your sorrow. I know your doubt. I know your insecurities. I know your failures. I know your secret sin. I know your past. But guess what? I know your future, and I'm writing the story. I promise you it's a glorious ending. You're going to come into heaven, and the bells are going to be ringing, and the cowbells, and people are going to be going, yay, you made the trip. Beat up in the gravel. Because the gravel journey is the journey of faith. And this scripture is one of my favorite from 2 Corinthians 1.20. If you memorize scripture, if you were going to choose one, I would start with this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. Easy, right? For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. Would you say with me? For no matter how many promises God has made, they are in Christ. Yep. One more time. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. in Christ. Absolutely. So what are the promises of God? What are God's promises? S- tell, s- somebody call him out. Let's, let's, let's do this. He gives us everlasting life. He promises that if we follow him, everlasting life, that our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. He never leaves us. Amen. That we are a new creation when we give ourselves to him. Yes, he makes us new. Love. love. His love is with us always. Amen. He promises that the anchor will always hold. Christ, who is the anchor, will always hold if we hold to him. That he can do more than we could ever ask or imagine if we trust him. He promises that. That he will give us the desires of our heart if we trust in him. He promises that those who trust in him will renew their strength, and they will fly again. He says, I promise you, in your brokenness, you will fly again. Someday you'll fly. Right? He promises that when you have trouble, that he will be there. And he also promises that in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's one of his promises, which is one I wish that I could erase from my story. But he says, no, I promise you, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, he says, because... I have overcome the world. Jesus rose victoriously from the grave. This is the gospel message. He gave his life and rose so that he can say to us, I have overcome. And someday it will all be okay. Just trust me. And that's the most difficult and the easiest thing to do in the world. And we can't do it alone, right? It's the gift of church, the gift of community, that we walk together. And so my question for you is, Can you believe these promises? Can you let God take the pen? Can you say, Lord, I trust you? Can you be honest with the Lord about your feelings in the midst of your journey without being resentful? Can you give God your resentment and allow him to heal you? Can you allow the shepherd of your life the full control? Can you believe the promises that he's given us? Because he says, if you wait on me, I hear you, and this is the, the, uh, the quote again, that in the end, it will be okay. And brothers and sisters from El Dorado, Kansas, if it's not okay right now, then it's not the end. But someday, we know that God will give us a glorious ending. And my encouragement to you, until our paths cross again someday, is that you would hold fast. Hold fast to the anchor, and let God continue to write the story of your lives. And someday when we get to the other side, we can cheer each other on and then share stories, right, of how hard it was, how many bruises and scrapes we've got, but also the glorious love of the Father that was there to welcome us in and say, well done, you did it. You let me tell the story because he's able to overcome even the greatest obstacles. Amen? Amen. Um, So let's close in prayer, and then I know we're going to do the offering. Jesus we know that you are the one for whom nothing is impossible and that all of your promises are yes. I ask that you would forgive us where we have forgotten that. Would you forgive us where we have given into fear or doubt? Lord, would you forgive us where we give in, have given into satisfying ourselves or looking into what is easy rather than looking to you? I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have the faith to trust you. Thank you for the way that you are writing our story and that all of your promises are yes. So Lord, would you fulfill your promises in the hearts of each person here today that they would know that you have redeemed them, you have called them by name, and that they are yours. And that no matter what, nothing can snatch them out of your hand for we belong to you, the King of Kings. Thank you, Jesus, that we always have hope because in the end, the story will be okay. So take us, Lord, write the story. We trust you. And I pray for this community and this church that you would do great things through them. Would you write the story of salvation and hope in El Dorado through this church? Give them the passions and the desires and the open doors and the provision and the finances and the free time and the wisdom and the decision-making to follow your leading, that El Dorado would know the love of Jesus through Hope Covenant Church. Bless and provide what they need and fill them, Jesus.